American dream is not dead. Listen to Neil and Jeff share their leadership experiences through a new kind of leadership podcast. This is The American Hustle. I'm leveled up. And this is my world Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever, however you are joining us. This is The American Hustle, where we believe the American dream is not dead dead. That's right, folks. This podcast is a conversation about all things entrepreneurial, success-driven, and in general, personal growth. Just being a downright good human being by Western culture definition. My name is Neil with SFJ4x4.com, and I am joined by our producer, my colleague, Uh, Jeff Sherman. That guy, the Italian Stallion. I uh, see. I knew you were going to keep the vamping. producer. <laughs> That's right. That is a heck of a. It's, it's a bang up morning. Uh, those of you who are listening to this, I'm sure by the time that it fills your ear holes, it's going to be this appropriate, seamless, and enjoyable podcast. But the reality is, it's been a cobbed up mess. We're on like take four. We're on like take four. <laughs> um, we haven't even track. made it to the intro. We so. haven't made it to the intro yet. <laughs> We're going to be talking about NASCAR theory today, folks. That's right. If you are uh, if you are or are not a race fan, I'm honestly not a race fan. Uh, I like racing. I like all things motors and wheels, uh, but I don't. I couldn't tell you a lick about anything about the racers or the circuit. or uh, I couldn't even probably name any racetracks at this point. They've all changed so much recently. When racers. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So if you don't know anything about NASCAR, that's okay. Uh, neither do I, but we're going to be talking about NASCAR theory because I know a couple things. I know enough to be dangerous. And I think what's really fun about this episode coming up is that we're going to talk about your your theory with NASCAR and leadership, how it relates. Uh, but also, I have a separate theory on it, and we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. And then, of course, at the end of the episode, we've got a great quote of the week coming up. My favorite part. And, you know, before we get too far into it, take a moment, like, subscribe, give us that five-star review. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're going to want to hang in for, for both those as we unpack those uh, the, the concepts of, of NASCAR theory. Uh, last week we talked about beach ball theory. And so if you're, you're unaware, these are, uh, authentically original concepts, uh, of how we process information, how we look at the world, you know, those types of things. So, uh, you definitely want to kind of hone in that because that is authentically, uh, unique to, you know, through the American Hustle podcast to the SFJ 4x4 difference, which is our, our, our flagship parent company that has allowed uh, these conversations to happen um, that, you know, ultimately pay the paycheck for Jeffrey and I. And, uh, and next week, Jeff, what are we going to be talking about next week? So next week, we're going to talk about proper application of leverage. I love it, which is also, I mean, we're going to be citing some other aspects of, you know, of you know, management and, and getting kind of what you want in life, but, um, you know, also something that's kind of uniquely ours as well. And if this is one of your first times joining us, this is meant to be a conversation organic, um, as, as Jeffrey and I utilize our 40 years combined experience of failing forward, small compounding steps as we just continue to trudge along in this world, these series of trials and tribulations, not giving up and, uh, pulling that information together uh, to unpack it with you as a listener, <clears throat> not necessarily uh, trying to regurgitate some of the uh, regular talking points, though, you know, we will address some of those other 
ideologues of other leadership-driven individuals in the industry, um, but our own and kind of a unique perspective of just a conversation about it. Absolutely. So <clears throat> you definitely want to check out that previous podcast, but you know, pay attention, hang out in this one for a while because – Again, both of us are going to be talking about NASCAR theory, then the quote of the week, which is my favorite part. Uh, we're going to tell you how to contact us uh, so because we want you to engage in it. I love having people um, reach out to us and share what these podcasts, what these conversations mean to them and how they relate to their uh, to their real-world experiences, which that's probably one of the neatest things that, um, that we get out of this. Oh, so, yeah. Very cool. So as far as... The NASCAR theory. Uh, I think, Jeffrey, you grew up a little bit of a race fan, didn't you? A little bit, yeah. I was... Uh, Definitely more than me, I my, think. You know, my, my parents were big into NASCAR. Uh, a lot of other family was. We had an uncle that was a dirt track racer, had his okay. own car. Uh, other family that sponsored that. So I, I grew up around racing well enough. Yeah, and, and to contextualize our experience here in our, our kind of our region... We're sitting on one of the nationally recognized dirt tracks in, um, you know, in America, in Western culture, uh, in our our town where this podcast is produced. We have one of these racetracks. Absolutely. And, um, you know, so just because I wasn't into it didn't mean that, you know, in northwestern Pennsylvania, northeastern Ohio, uh, there's racetracks all over the place, and that's an important part of. Uh, you know, the American spirit. Absolutely. You know, that competitive, go a little faster, do a little better than you did the night before. You yeah. Know? Um, <clears throat> and I think it's interesting uh, is just how racing in general is oftentimes uh, at, at a very organic level, right? So initially, a lot of people get into it, and they're just like, hey, I've got a car, and I want to go fast. Yep. Those are really simple concepts. Yep. Right? And our listeners sitting at home might feel similarly. I have an idea, and I want to do big things. Right. Right? And so hopefully that speaks to you. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully in some manner that relates to your perspective, your trajectory. Right? Because it's that simple. Right? And, and the idea that I have an idea, and I want to do big things. So when it comes to racing specifically if we're addressing um, NASCAR, but all of racing, there is typically very strict uh, rules and procedures of which the racers and race teams need to follow. Right. So there is a, a process uh, where you, you check in, you do safety inspection. Um, this is a really big deal. I was at a local race event Um. And it was a particular class, so there's all these different classes, you know. So any given race night, if you're if you're listening to us and you you live in a more urban environment or you live in a coastal environment where there's not exactly a racetrack near you, it's not part of your life. So any given day or night of a organic community race event, there's oftentimes seven to ten classes racing in that one night. Yep. And a lot of people don't recognize that because they just they we talk about NASCAR and that's just kind of one big race of a specific class. Um, but there are actually classes within NASCAR. Absolutely. And um, and then, you know, at a local level, there's actually, you know, a bunch of different classes and they're racing any evening. So I was at a, a race a, about a year ago and there was a, a car that was supposed to be kind of like a street stock 
class. And so this is supposed to be basically a car that you you could have been driving around town earlier in the day and you knocked its windows out and you made sure that it was safe enough to get on the track and then you go out there and race. And this car was just a lap ahead of everybody else. It was just screaming, right? Screaming fast by comparison. And uh, the crowd, a couple people in the crowd became very, very upset, very visceral because they felt that there was cheating happening. Okay. And and when it's that far ahead on a dirt track, it becomes questioned. But I've been around the dirt track enough to know that it also happens without cheating. It also happens without cheating, right? And so there's going to be a number of things that we talk about here that is in our human experiences to say, how do we relate to these situations and scenarios, right? So right. Uh, exactly that. So this street stock class of some capacity cars a, a lap a lap length ahead of everybody else crowd a couple individuals when the crowd become very upset because of course they feel you know the grass is greener on the other side of the fence and clearly that that racer that team is cheating you know and they're they're becoming belligerent in the process and how often does that um does it affect us as individuals looking out across the landscape of success and for folks at home and, and, and commuting and what I'm doing air quotes success yeah. right? this conceptualization of whatever success looks like when you say we started our businesses at the same time and that person is doing uh, very very well oh they must be cheating in some capacity they must be taking out loans they must have a big backer they must have um, you know done they must be doing uh, nefarious activities to gain more momentum and money and whatever, you know, who knows? Um, sometimes they sometimes they are, but oftentimes, you know, it's just maybe they hit the right momentum or the right seam or, or whatever. I'm going to take it a step further and say they took the right risk versus reward ratio. Sure. Because uh, your, your reference about the dirt track and how they get a lap ahead, I don't know if you've ever ran a car across a dirt track. That ground wants to give out on you, and you can feel that. Sure. But the more you know a track, the more you know your car and the tunings of your car, the the better you know what your limit is, how quickly you can take that turn on dirt and what your risk is. Yes. And if you are willing to push that risk up, yes, you're going to go faster than the other cars on the dirt track. Which, which is awesome as a segue to NASCAR theory. Yes. Because, folks, if you're listening at home and you, you don't know anything about NASCAR, that's okay. We're going to tell you, I think, what is is what I believe to be the most critically important piece. And that for um, uh, the basic functionality of vehicles, and, and understand, I'm a motorhead at, uh, at my appreciation of society. I like all things nature and natural and whatnot, but I, I, I can get behind, uh, you know, standard petroleum-based combustion engines as much as I can get behind electric motors and uh, and other alternative, you know, wheel and power plant, plant plants. I'm okay. I'm here for all of it. So, uh, as far as the engine itself in NASCAR for 62 years, it has been constrained to a carbureted, uh, fuel delivery system. What that means for folks listening at home is it's a highly inefficient, ineffective, no good. We haven't had carbureted vehicles as a kind of a mass production vehicle since the late 80s, uh, at, at the latest early 90s. But realistically, it all goes out in the late 80s for carburation. 
NASCAR carries that on for almost another two decades by 2012 going to electronic fuel injection, which is by all means the kind of the standard platform or engine power plant that is in all vehicles, you know, combustion engines by today's standards. But what is still incredibly ineffective is the fact that there are parameters set on the power plants of these cars that they can be no more than I think 358 cubic inches in displacement. Yep. That's the ma- that's the biggest displacement they can all be. So they that means that they're all standardized. Yes. They have to be an iron block or a graphite iron block. So again, you can't have kind of a uh, a, a kind of a NASA space aged metallurgy making up the engine block. Aluminum blocks and weight reduction for those purposes are out. And the design of the block is actually fairly standardized. It actually has uh, <clears throat> push rods that are part of a two two valve um, valve train. So for folks listening at home, you might not know what that means, but you know if you're a motorhead, that basically puts you at a pretty antiquated power plant. That's that that engine itself is pushing 60, 70 years old. The engine design, and it's it's funny because you have three different manufacturers of that engine. You have the Ford, you have the Chevy, and you have the Toyota, but it's all the same engine by NASCAR standards. Correct. It is It is the most interesting kind of a, a scenario, talking point, if you will, about how we as individuals have a relatively level playing ground, right? And that is uh, a, a challenge and that's by Western uh, standards, okay? Yeah. And that's what's very important about the American hustle, because uh, if you go back to your, you know, your elementary school days, and we learn about uh, monarchies and caste systems, right? So whether that be, you know, from your Euro-Anglo history or from an Eastern Asian history, uh, there are societies that you, based on the family that you're born into. You have no choice. You have no opportunity whatsoever to excel. Right. Right. You are cast into a place in life. Yep. Um, you are born into the place or position of being a peasant. Uh, and that is just a remarkably challenging piece. And I remember being a little kid. I'm talking, you know, little, little kid. And that burnt into my brain and the concept of the fact that I looked out across the landscape of other kids. And I recognize the fact that elsewhere in the world, there were people who had no choice. Yep. They were born into this family, and they had no choice to excel any further than what their social standards had dictated. Here, uh, as Western culture says, we have mobility, right? And we talk about that in the earliest podcast. Oh, yeah. The challenge is... Uh, you know, when we talk about generational poverty, generational wealth, and the, the positive and negative attributes that come with both of those things, right. they can affect you at an individual level, right? That's, that's a, a realistic thing. We talk about, you know, uh, generational and cycles of toxicity or cycles of success. Uh, those are concepts that just kind of float underneath the surface uh, that we have to address in Western culture. But but the fact that NASCAR theory actually says that we have a relatively level playing 
feel. Well, and it's more than just the engine. I mean, the aerodynamics of the vehicle, they have metal plates that are cut to the specific angles that they're angles allowed to have. That they're allowed to and have they on the cars. Drop them on the car and go, okay, you're off by this amount of degree. You need to fix that. Yes. Your spoiler's just a little too high. Right. I mean, there's all these different things. And NASCAR, it, your car is the same car as far as the, the body goes, the engine goes, right. the, the right. drivetrain. Right. Virtually, the, the idea is that there is a, uh, a set or standardized process at which you are all subject to. So all of the cars that pull out on any given race day are in some degree standardized. They have a certain set of, uh, of success factors figured in to the design of the car. How often in our own life do we have those factors that maybe we take for granted? Uh, the access to public education. Yes. Right? Uh, charitable and phil philanthropic uh, groups that support community development, right? And so that could be a, a local food bank of some capacity. It could be, um, you know, a local ro a rotary club that is sponsoring a student to excel, right, on the, the other end of the spectrum, not mm -hmm. just kind of the hand up. But, um, you know, kind of the, the hand forward uh, as well as a society. So <clears throat> the idea that we have certain things every day in our community and some people listening might be involved on, uh, in boards, businesses and, and other pursuits that are that they're trying to foster these experiences for people. Yeah. These standardizing processes that says that if you were born to, you know, the poorest family on the block or the richest family on the block, there are certain attributes that are available to both developing families there, right? And yeah. that's the NASCAR theory. We all have the same 24 hours in the day, and in Western culture, we all have a set number of given success factors that can either propel us forward if, we're cho if we choose to take advantage of them. Yeah. And so there's really a, a valuable idea to say that there's this standardized process um, that if we want to take advantage of it, it's there for us to take advantage of, right? Yeah. So your, your risk-reward is an interesting concept because, of course, the idea that the car or our 24 hours or our access to community resources, those types of things, um, are out there, right? That standardization is out there. Uh, now, now we get into the minutia, yep. right? And that's really the valuable piece. Like there's a lot of people out there who will say, well, I can't do this because I don't have as much money as the business next door to me, right? Or they got a better drive by rate than me. And so therefore that's why they're more successful and I'm not that. And I, I call that that's malarkey. Right. Yeah. That's straight up hot malarkey because you can be successful in different means and manners. Right. Yes. And, and we've talked about this before. The, the example that I like to use is the uh, uh, is a real estate company. So you have a, a 13 five, you know, gross revenue uh, real estate company, but they're in Miami and they're selling a bunch of high dollar, um, you know, uh, properties with very low. You know, so they're selling high dollar properties with with low margin. Yep. Right. And so they actually So the revenue stream looks amazing. The net revenue stream looks amazing, but they're actually only netting 
uh, maybe about, you know, maybe 1.9 mil into their pocket at the end of the day, right? Um, whereas you have, you know, maybe a, a more rural <clears throat> real estate firm that's doing, you know, 5.7 million, mm-hmm. right? So we have the 13.5 in Miami and we have, you know, rural re- real estate firm doing 5.7, but because they're doing it with more efficiency, uh, they're doing it with better margin, uh, they're actually netting, you know, two and a half million into their pocket at the end of the day. That well, thirteen it, five looks very different than that five million. Even real estate even company. if the five million real, real estate company is only netting a million, sure, the ratio that they're netting that the profit margin is so much higher that they're actually the more successful business. You're, you're spot on, and and that is a concept that is worthy of a uh, of a podcast in of itself for us to unpack and Absolutely. really share with people. But that, folks, I'm going to talk about it again. There is a ratio that is applicable there that says you are you don't look as successful. You don't have the flash. You don't have the jet in the background of your, uh, of your ad. You know what I mean? So that 13.5 mil uh, real estate company who's got, you know, they've got debts out the, the wazoo and they've got a jet in the background of it, and they've got you know the fancy white shoots, you know suits. They look like they're straight out of Miami Vice. Is literally not any more successful, um, and arguably less successful than that that slightly you know more down home Midwestern rural real estate firm yes. that pocketed a million or a little over from just from just selling four or five million dollars worth of of real estate. Yep, you know. Because there is a a ratio that is applicable to investment of time, energy, and resources to net value in your pocket. Yes. There's a lot of economic theory there. But that aside, uh, the idea that we we get into the minutia of success, right? That both real estate companies have the same goals. groundwork, the same ground rules, right? The concept yes. of the idea that there's there's basic levels of attracting uh, real estate buyers. There's, there's ground rules that apply to different markets, how we sell things, certainly from state to state. They're standardized by um, you know, by uh, real estate accreditation, you know, as far as being a, an accredited realtor, well, you know, those types of things. Even defining what is allowed to be counted as livable space versus not. Sure. Yeah, there's... there's Everything puts you on a level playing field. Correct. There's there's certain leveled playing field concepts. So let's get into the minutia, right? So we have the same cubic inch displacement, the same uh, electronic fuel injection by now today's standards, but for 70 years, you know, carburation, uh, the same antiquated power plant that is subject to us all. That is the system, right? And and that's the big thing I always talk about. There's a system. It's it's intangible. It's hard to put your finger on it. But that system works for and against all of us. Yes. That is the reality of the situation. So now how do we work within the confines of the system that that we are subjected to and become successful? Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Well, obviously, it comes down to the fine-tuning minutiae. Sure. Uh, you can adjust little things. You can't make big changes because those get, go against the regulations of NASCAR. Sure. But you can take the time to research the track. Mm-hmm. Know how the car is going to handle on the track. Make those little fine-tuned handling adjustments. Yes. And that's what will get you ahead. Right. 
then also going and practicing the track, learning the track, learning how your car feels as you drive it. Those are little things that allow you to help push your risk versus reward. Right. You know what the the beauty of as you start to talk about, you know, I, I hear you use the term you, 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 you go learn the track, blah, blah, blah. That's that's our listeners. That folks, if you're if you're listening to this, the you is is you, right? You are the driver of the car. Yes. And that is the point that for for me, NASCAR theory is so valuable because the 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 power plant, the aerodynamics, those are already set in those are already set in place for you. Yep. The track is what everybody is going to be to be running or driving. For us uh, in our our flagship business, it could be going to a show. Yeah. Right. We're all going to go to the same show, the same event. Yep. Now, how do we stand out as that business going there with? Lots of other similar businesses being present. How am how am I as the as the owner of that business going to set us apart from the thousands of other people at that event? Correct. Right. That's the driver going and practicing uh, or learning about the track, learning about the facility, understanding the time of day, understand that they're going to be racing, understanding uh, how their tires are going to react, how their that. tires are going to react if it's. You know the heat of the day, or or if it's an evening under the the lights type of run. You know, um, it was fascinating. I was out to to breakfast this weekend, and uh, again, I had mentioned earlier in the podcast we have a couple dirt. We have a nice dirt track in the area. Uh, I had a couple guys had their race car in the back of their their hauler sitting at this breakfast, John, that I was at, and they're talking about the tires and how uh, you know they can only afford. Uh, such and such tires, and they're racing against guys. He, they said specifically their tires are under two hundred bucks a piece, and they're racing a bit against guys in their class who are who are running five hundred dollar tires. Yep. Uh, and these are just regular. Again, this is reasonably a street stock inspired class. I I don't know well enough, but I'm overhearing this conversation happening at the breakfast bar. Yeah. And that idea that. Um, he, the particular guy that I was, I was listening to was, was a little down on himself and he was kind of making excuses and, um, you know, how often do, do we do that and go, well, I can't afford, uh, the really nice cash register. So, you know, obviously that's why this other business is more exce- successful because they've got the better cash register, but it's know? still the same track, but it's still the same track, you know, it's still um, the same track. You can still get the advantage by taking the time to learn it. And and the idea that maybe you're not at the $500 tires, maybe you can't afford that just yet. Right. But what steps are you putting in place while racing on that track? Because, again, the, the little bit of NASCAR theory, you don't have to win every race. Yeah. You, you, that's what's what's unique is about is it's about a, a points game, right? That's Yeah. And so that's racing in general is a, a kind of a – slow buildup of a season of gaining points you can win a nascar championship without ever winning a race basically right that's what i understand yeah i think that's one of the most con like the cool pieces of this concept is the fact that you don't have to finish first you can get in that race with the same engine you know relatively speaking the same aerodynamics relatively speaking you don't even have to place first you don't have to be the biggest race team the flashiest one and you can darn near win a a race championship i think you only have to you know place in the top three a couple times you know and that was that is literally my my take on it is that it's not about 
winning it. It's about being in the race. Uh, partially that because you could still come out on top in the end, but also because there are times where you go, well, I can't do this because of this, or I'm not going to do this because of that. You're setting your own obstacles and NASCAR shows that it's literally just about getting up and doing it, being yes. in that race, yes. building some consistency. And that's how champions are born in NASCAR is by consistency. They're consistently finishing in the top five. They're consistently finishing in the top ten. Whatever it is, that's how they end up in the points running and yes. end up winning the whole championship. I, I love that idea. Is that not, like, the best thing? As, as, as a purveyor looking in, right, I'm not exactly a race fan, but I want to see – you know, all of this successful because of the underpinnings of the process. Yes. You know, that's what I think is so cool and how applicable it is to us as humans. We all have that same 24 hours. It's how we use it uh, to our advantage. What are we doing within that time frame? What uh, resources, what kind of personal uh, reflection are we doing to say, what am, I, what am I bringing to the table today? How do I know this track? How have I prepared for this race? You know, and then the consistency going, do I push for first or do I just make sure that I finish strong, right? And there's a, I, I'm not going to say the name of the driver because I'll probably get it wrong and That's you know, fine. get blasted for it. But there was a driver that actually in an interview talked about in racing, you don't have to be physically fit. There's no advantage to being physically fit. It's about being able to endure, sure. endure the heat of it, endure the, the length of it, and just keep pushing. Because if you can consistently keep pushing around those laps, chances are somebody ahead of you is going to make a mistake, and now you've got an opportunity to get ahead of them. Sure. And that's that mental endurance. It's that perseverance in yes. the process. Um and I and that's to say I think you know I've seen a number of things that uh, certainly at the more the higher epil upper echelon of racing those drivers are very fit right oh and they so, are uh, for those of you who are listening in and are like well I know so and so has this you know regimented workout routine you're probably right because as we get better as we progress into more more disciplined pursuits. I think it's only a natural progression to say, hey, I need to physically be able to endure just as much as I need to mentally be able to endure. Correct. You know? And it's just such a a very cool uh, kind of a, a example of the idea that we all have this playing field if we're willing to take advantage of that or willing to go, hey, I recognize the standardization. I recognize that all of these things are here for me to be successful. Now it's it's in the minutia. It's on the understanding the track, in the preparation, in the driver discipline and and perseverance, endurance. You know, all of those things then are what's going to differentiate us. The last kind of the piece for me is the idea I heard years ago. It was a it was kind of a quip on the internet. And it is a it's a little bit about re, kind of remaining humble in racing or or kind of remembering where your roots come from to help you kind of stay in touch. Because I think there is a point in time where uh, we get as as business leaders, as board directors, as just a, a person who has a growth mindset, 
right? We're always looking forward to the future. We're always pushing to that next bounds. This idea that um, on any given race day, there is an individual getting into their million dollar toter home where the car is in the back and there's a, uh, you know, AC climate controlled and they're, they're going into the, 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 that toter home and they're all, they're all pissed off and they're upset because of one reason or another. And they're making the switch stopped working on it. (laughs) Right. And they're, they're frustrated and they're just done with that track and they're done with the day and, and, you know, and they, they're mad at their pit crew and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And at the same time, there is an individual getting off the dirt track, pulling into some little pop-up tent, you know, out of a derelict trailer, cracking open a drink, sitting on a cooler and being like, man, I had the best day of my life. Yes. And so I think it's really valuable. And the last piece of that conversation is perspective to say, remember where you came from remember where that big idea was born from yeah right the the again uh, i've got a car and i want to go fast right um i I have an idea and i want to do big things remember the the roots that which you started because that is the passion that compelled you forward in the first place yes and then made you different to succeed from there you know, because in that field of startups, you were just more passionate. You were just more hungry yep. than the next racer. Absolutely. Super cool stuff. I could uh, I could talk at length, but I don't think we need to. We unpacked a, a lot of good stuff about the uh, NASCAR theory yeah. uh, and all of the advantages we all have every day and, and, and kind of just being aware of them. So you have prepared for us uh, our, 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 our quote of the week, right? But before we get to that, folks... We definitely want to tell you how you can get involved with us. We want for you to reach out and and email uh, Jeffrey, our producer, at J-E-F-F, the letter C, so J-E-F-F-C, at S-F-J-4-X-4. Those are the numbers for X4.com. And, uh, or you can reach us on our text-only number, 440-855-2100, and let us know how we're doing. Let us know, uh, you know, how you feel about racing and uh, the 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 kind of the devil in the detail aspects that set you apart in whatever your pursuits are. How do those things change for you on any given race day? Uh, whether it's, you know, you make jewelry and you're going to the local craft fair or that you're, you know, you're, you're ready to suit up and head into your next big board meeting. Those are, are valuable experiences towards you. And so what are you doing to take advantage of the standardized 24 hours that we have, but then the minutia that you bring to the table. And, uh, and after the quote of the week, uh, we'll definitely, you know, tease you just a little bit on what we'll be doing next week. And this is my world now. You win some, lose some, and wreck some. Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and it's, love it's it. such a great quote to me because you have to know that you are going to lose at times. And there are times where it's going to be a big wreck. It's crash gonna, and burn. You're going to crash and burn, and it's going to be, in your mind, over for a moment. But guess what? You still have a chance to win some. That's right. And and it is because of the those those 
Western culture values, the, the positive aspects that make the American dream uniquely what it is, that we can feel like the world is collapsing around us, but that at the end of the day, we get to get up and experience those 24 hours again and make the best of them. That is such a cool quote. I'm glad you brought it to the table. You win some, you lose some, and wreck some. And good old, good old, do it for Dale. That's right. I love it. Folks, you're going to want to tune in next week for the proper application of leverage. We, uh, as our, our full time hustle, again, that flagship uh, business that allows the American hustle to exist as a podcast, is a mechanical business. We do. Uh, you know, motor and vehicle things every day. And sometimes it's about basic physics and applying, uh, you know, the right pressure in the exact right spot to, you know, to kind of set yourself apart or to, you know, to take advantage of a situation. So you're going to want to tune in and be part of that conversation on the next American Hustle. I've had a great time talking to you about NASCAR Theory. We look forward to hearing from you about your experiences with this podcast. Until then, we've got lots of stuff to accomplish ourselves, and I'm sure you do as well. Get out there and get hungry. And stay hungry. And this is my world. The American dream is not dead. We want to help you along the way. With over 40 years of combined leadership experience, we want to help you succeed. Share your stories, ask us questions, and believe in the American dream. Through Heart and Hustle, we will show you the path of success and hopefully have a little fun along the way. You can email us at jeffc at sfj4x4.com or text us at 440-855-2100. Until next time, lead with your heart and keep hustling.